0: The story is well known. The pregnant virgin and her loyal fiancé, the inn without room, the barn and the manger, the shepherds and the wise men, and the baby boy named Jesus. We know who, what, when, and where. But do we know why? Why did the Christmas story happen? Why did God send his only son to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth knowing the pain and rejection He would experience, why does Christmas matter at all? Yeah, so over the last 10 years, we have uh, given away 100% of our Christmas Eve offering. And we do that because we believe in abundance, and we believe in generosity, and we believe in... uh, Blessing our community. So we have planted a church in Cuba. We have provided uh, water wells for people in Nicaragua. We support a youth for Christ uh, missionary here in Omaha. Last year, we built probably hundreds of beds for uh, students to go to Miller Park Elementary School. So this year, 100% of our uh, Christmas Eve offering is going to go to an organization based out of Omaha. It's called Bridges Out of Poverty. So a few months ago I was having lunch with one of their board members who belongs to the church, uh, their CEO and then also the founder who's like their development director now. And this is such a cool thing. I brought it back to our staff and uh, the staff like was pretty much unanimously in support that this is gonna be our Christmas Eve offering. So what it does is it's an uh, eight to 10 week program. Uh, Someone will take a class for these uh, two or three months or so. And then after they're done with the class, um, and 96% of the people who start the class, uh, they finish the class. So after they're done, their income is like $1,200 a month higher than it was like when they started the class. They'll have had a debt that's paid off. They'll have a community. During the time, they have teachers, mentors, uh, coaches. You know They're matched up with um, people that can help them uh, you know, find more meaningful work. Now, what's really cool is it's not just helping this one person, because this one person is usually part of a family system, and this one person usually has uh, a number of children. So basically, this program, uh, it's seeking on eliminating poverty, uh, in the Omaha area. Now, Marcus Bell, the CEO, he's going to be here uh, next week. I'm going to interview him briefly. But a number of people have been asking about the Christmas Eve offering as you kind of do some of your year-end planning. So what we're going to do is we're going to do this uh, at Miller Park uh, Elementary School. So this is a neighborhood that we're uh, very familiar with. Uh, these are going to be people that uh, we know. I talked to the principal the other day, and he's excited about this. So what we're going to try to do is one class. It's uh, 10 people per class, so we get to change really the direction of uh, 10 families in the Miller Park area. It's $3,000 a student that covers the training, the mentoring, uh, the coaching. It gives them uh, some assistance as they're getting through the program. So what we're trying to do is raise $30,000, and that's going to be a class of uh, 10 uh, in the Miller Park area. now. I think it's quite possible we might be able to do two classes. Uh, That would be obviously $60,000. So, there's some of you right now, you're thinking, you know, I can do a student, and uh, that's going to get us closer to our goal. And, you know, some of you will do that. There's some of us that can do a half a student. Uh, There's some of us that can do a tenth of a student. And um, we're going to collaborate with nine other people in the church. And we're going to make sure that we're doing our part to help people um, escape poverty. Jesus had a special place in his heart for. poor people, and we do here at the Water's Edge as well. So that's coming up. Um, Not asking you to give anything this morning. Uh, For those of you online, you can give, it's up there now. Just go to the uh, weomaha.com slash give. It's Christmas Eve offering, but just pray about where you're at. Um, Marcus is gonna be here next week, you're gonna love him. He's this energetic uh, man that's just passionate about this. So. That is coming up on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve services, uh, they are on a Sunday this year, so we're not going to be having our normal Sunday services. Uh, We will have a 10.30 service. So for those of you um, (coughs) who have kids and they like to wiggle a lot and you think they might like a really fun, energetic family service, the service at 10.30 would be perfect for you. Uh, The 1.30, 3.00, and 4.30 services will be uh, the band. They have a large uh, horn section. It's going to be like this really exciting Christmas thing. Six o'clock's a little bit more subdued. Uh, it's going to be an acoustic uh, Christmas Eve, and then we kind of have our Protestant version of Midnight Mass at 11 o'clock, and we're kind of like almost like taking communion as uh, Christmas Eve turns into Christmas Day, and... Uh, If you're up that late and uh, you want to experience it, I encourage you to come and worship with us. It's a lot different than the previous uh, services. So we're looking at the question uh, during these uh, the next two weeks, uh, this week and next week, and the previous two weeks. Why is it that we even have Christmas? So the first week we agreed that we live in a dark world, and one of the reasons we have Christmas is Jesus says, "I I came, I came so that uh, I could bring light." To a, a dark world. So imagine, like, walking around in total darkness without a light. Um, that's kind of like the way it is, like, to live in this world today. But Jesus says you don't have to do that because I bring light to the dark world. Last week we looked at uh, forgiveness. Jesus came to uh, seek us and to forgive our sins. And you know, I talked to a number of you last week and. You know, as you said, as you took the bread and you dipped it in the juice, like, you know, you, you experience forgiveness. And that's great. Jesus came to forgive our sins so we look to our past. We don't beat ourselves up, but we just uh, get a glimpse of, like, God's God's greatness. Now, today, and this is a verse that many of you are going to be fam- familiar with around here. It's a verse I've used um, before. But it's one of the reasons that Jesus uh, came to the world. And he says in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to to rob and, and kill and, and destroy. Um, I came so that everyone, so that everyone, it's not just like good people, it's not just people who grew up in a church, uh, so that everyone, that includes you, would have, have life and, and have it fully. So this is a very significant year uh, in the world. Um, it's the 25th anniversary of uh, Craig Finistead surviving Greek at uh, Emory University when he was in seminary, um, almost as big of an accomplishment as surviving calculus when I was in college, and I didn't really do that, I was going to be an economist, but they had to have like three years of calculus, and I couldn't even make it through like one semester, but I did make it through Greek. I think there was a lot of grace involved with the grading with the professor. Now Hebrew was another story, like the Old Testament language is Hebrew, and I have dyslexia, I seriously do. And um, so Hebrew is like written backwards and upside down and I was like perfect for it. Like, it was just like, like, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, now I'm gonna impress you with uh, the Greek I remember and I wanna go back to that word life um, because there's like different ways to think about that. So the word that Jesus does not use here, there's two Greek words for life. One of them is bios, it's spelled B-I-O-S and that's where our word biology comes from. So this is really like the life that means that we have a heart that beats and lungs that breathe. Now, the word that is in uh, John 10.10 10 is a different word, it's, uh, the word is zoe. So if you know anyone whose name is zoe, uh, it's like this beautiful Greek word for life, and really what this means is, it, it means it's life that's not just physical, but life that's uh, uh, relational, and it's got like spiritual vitality and, and, and well-being. So, an example of this is yesterday afternoon, I did a hospital visit down at Bergen. And I visited a woman when I got there, she was sleeping, I waited around for a little bit. She was kind of fidgeting, so uh, I, I walked over and started talking to her, I prayed with her. And she's very sick. Um, she's a very sick woman. Um, she could probably have to have surgery tomorrow and probably go to a rehabilitation center after that. Um, now her bias was struggling. But uh, the Zoe, it was, it was alive and well. You know, she was asking about my kids. Uh, she was asking about the church. She talked about, like, her Monday morning Bible study and how these women were, like, a constant source of uh, encouragement and, and solidarity. Um, you know, we talked about the future a little bit, and it was, like, it was Zoe. It wasn't, you know, focused on just the heart and the lungs and all the other parts of the body. It's the, it's the life that Jesus was talking about, like the spiritual... Uh, relational, emotional, and, and and the physical as well. Now, the second word is uh, the word for fully. So, at the end, it talks about, uh, you know, I came to give you life and I came to give you uh, fully. So, um, here the word is parason. And this word, it really means like excessive, it means uh, greater, um, it means like abundant. So, actually, when Paul, for those of you who were around last month when we were doing the series Immeasurably More, so, Paul would have used the same Greek re when he was talking about immeasurably more. It's really like this life that is uh, immeasurably more. Yeah. So, um, let's look at the verse once more, and I want to look at the second word here. So, uh, a thief comes only to rob and, and kill and, and, and destroy. So, look at the word thief. Um, now, there's some of us that don't even believe that Satan exists, Um, Now, if we believe Satan exists, we believe he's kind of this harmless creature that Jesus, you know, took care of 2,000 years ago. When we think of Satan, you know, we might think of uh, something like this. Now, here's the deal, though. Like, the most dangerous enemy is one that we believe doesn't exist or one that we believe uh, is not powerful, now, the enemy is, is most dangerous when we, when we forget about them. So, uh, back to John 10, 10, I want to look at three more words. The thief, Satan, um, and he's out there, he exists, he's alive and well, he's still strong and powerful. Um, Satan comes only to rob and kill and destroy. Like, that's his, his three goals. Now, we'll get to what Jesus does later, but Satan comes to rob and kill and destroy, to to steal and uh, murder and to, to wreak havoc. Like, that's his tactics. Um, now, they it, it become more dangerous when, you know, we're not aware of, like, his presence in the world. So here's a okay. list of 10 things that I see as Satan's tactics. I have these in no specific order at all. Um, I just randomly put them up there. I'm not gonna talk about all 10. I only have time to do nine of them, so. <laughs> I want to talk about a few of them, though. Like, I want to talk about division. Like, when we um, were going through our topics, uh, when we are going through our denominational affiliation stuff this spring and back into the winter, <laughs> like, I worked more hours, I can guarantee you, I worked more hours in 2023 than I have worked any other year in ministry. Um, and the reason why is I knew that division would ruin the church. And I knew that unity would allow the church to prevail. Yeah, I met with over uh, 60 individuals and families and groups, you know, just to listen and to pray and to learn, um, you know, to cast vision of what an apostolic uh, church looks like. Yeah, I knew that we could be greater together, um, unified, than we could be separately as as divided. Now we saw like this beautiful example of this yesterday. Like yesterday, we didn't see division yesterday, we saw like the power of unity. You know, so I got here and all I did was, you know, walk around and take a video and pray and encourage a few people, but like it was absolutely amazing what happened here yesterday. There's over a thousand people who walked through the doors of, of this church, basically to receive hope. You know, they receive Christmas presents for kids who wouldn't have got them otherwise. They received food for uh, families that may not have had it otherwise. They receive gift cards so they could do uh, things that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Now, this wasn't because of division. And this was because of collaboration and unity. You know, it's so cool to see the people of archers, like, playing our role. I mean, I think you all probably gave, and there's no way to tell what the total is, but we estimate it's probably between 50 and $60,000. It would be thousands of volunteer hours. But the really cool thing is we couldn't do this alone, and we shouldn't do it alone. There was the Miller Business Association. Like, this is their thing. Like, we're just, uh, we're just helping them out. There's business people, the school, the Miller schools, like, helped us out on this. You know, so many people. Um, it was like this beautiful thing, and it teaches us that Satan wants to divide, so things like this can't happen. God wants to unify, so things like this can. Now, um, it's not just in the church either, it's, it's in the community. So this has been like, so they had these uh, testimonies on um, Tuesday at the Congress. You know, so there's three college presidents. One was from uh, MIT, one was from Harvard, and one was from Penn University. and. Yeah, you know, she ended up resigning yesterday. And really what, we're, what they were talking about was uh, anti-Semitism, um, which in absolutely zero form is it's, it's always wrong. It's always wrong to uh, be divided. You know, there should never, ever be a student who has to be fearful about going to class regardless of where they came from. Islamophobia, that's wrong as well. You know, it's wrong to, to be divided, it's right to be united. And like what these schools are dealing with is and the reason these presidents are so much stressed is because their colleges that they serve are divided. You know, a divided world is, it, so it's, you know, just so you know, it's not gonna get it easier. There's a, there's a presidential election coming up um, in uh, 2024 and, you know, in this room, like there's Democrats. In this room, there's Republicans. In this room, there's independents, there's libertarians, there's people who can care less. And somehow in 2024, the best thing that we could do as a church is say that despite our differences, we are going to be united, not divided. Because unification glorifies God, and division is exactly exactly what the thief, what Satan wants. It, it robs people of peace, it kills innocent people, it destroys dreams. You know, my grandpa, I've talked about him before, um, he moved uh, to the United States from Norway in the 1930s. So his job his job was, some of you might remember back in the days in the 50s and 60s and 70s when they were building schools and they were building buildings. Um, you know, they would put plaster on the walls with those really cool designs and like that was his job. His best friend lived across the street in a big house. Um, uh, his name was Paul Mefford, and Paul was like an inventor. He invented like some hydraulic cylinder that you know, helps uh, companies like, lift heavy things with a small object. And grandpa was a Democrat, Paul was a Republican, uh, grandpa was a Norwegian, Paul was a Swede. You know, one thing, there's a huge division there, and you know, so what do you think these two men did? They didn't nitpick over political affiliation or argue about who was wrong and who was right. What they did is they raised each other's kids together. You know, by, by affiliation with the Finesteads, I'm a mefford as well. You know, Paul's daughter and my mom were, and still are, best friends. Like, unity matters. Division, it's, it's the ploy of Satan to divide us. And when you're divided, you're upset, and you're angry, and you're alone, and like, there is no like, rich, and satisfying, and abundant life that happens. What happens is uh, the evil one, the thief, robs like our, our joy and our contentment and our, our, our our well-being. Now addictions—that's going to be one of the uh, one of the things that Satan uses. Like some of us, um, you know, like we look to gambling, or we look to sex, or we look to something we drink, or a pill we take, or a screen that we stroll on, and like we're. Addicted to these things, and what happens with these addictions is we're going to the wrong place for comfort. You know, we don't go to the creator uh, for the comfort; we go to the creation. And what we do is, as well as um, it, it, it lacks any purpose—the um, purpose that God trying to give, give us, the passion that God is trying to give us—these um, addictions will just take it away. It's every every time there's an addiction, every time there's a division, Satan celebrates. You know, materialism is going to be one of them. You know, sometimes I wish, like, we could track as a church that, uh, they will try this next year. Um, we spent more time in December on Bible Gateway than we did Amazon.com. And, uh, you know, instead of buying stuff and, like, being all stressed out because we got to get the right gifts to the right people, um, that's what materialism is. Like, we trust in the, the, the creator. Like Satan, he loves it when we're in debt. He loves it when we're busy and he loves it when we're, we're, we're stressed out. You know, destructive relationships is gonna be a tactic that Satan uses as well. So our mission at the water's edge has always been, and in, you know, as long as I'm here it will always be, to love or to lead people into a, a growing relationship with God and with each other. Now that second part is is very intentional. Now part of this is taken from the great commandment. So when Jesus asked what the most important command was, he said it's to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And then he says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's where we get that. But the other part, like when we were talking about this back in like 2005, 2006, is that we knew that like the... The quality of our life is directly correlated to the quality of our relationships. And we've got to figure out um, how to love each other well. Division in our families, division in our friendships is a tactic that Satan will use to take away this life that Jesus is trying to to give us. The last one I'll look at is distraction and busyness. And I've talked about this a lot, um, but I want to give you an example of how this looks. So, I was just driving to church last week. I was on Harrison coming this way. It's uh, at the stoplight at 192nd Street. I was the second car in line. And this uh, big SUV was coming toward me. And I thought it was coming very fast for it being a red light. Um, all of a sudden I realized like they're not stopping. Um, and I was just like totally braced. And yeah, I looked back and I saw the person and like, their phone was right here. And um, then like, I saw the look of terror on her face. Like she slammed on the brakes. And I'm guessing she probably had about three or four yards before you know, she would've collided with me. But I'm also thinking if she would've waited three or four yards at the brakes, um, she would've hit me going pretty darn fast. You know, so that's called a distracted driver, right? Now, most of us think that's crazy and we shouldn't do it. But I would say this, I think there's a lot of us right now who are doing distracted living. You know, we're not paying attention to, to what's around us. Now, whether it is a, a cell phone or technology, whether it's a to-do list, whether it's uh, something we did yesterday or something that uh, we're worried about tomorrow, like, we're not fully present, we're distracted, we're busy, and Satan couldn't be any happier about it. Um, we're distracted from the fact that one of the reasons why Jesus came to the world was to give us a life, like this full, encompassing life with great relationships, uh, healthy emotions, uh, physical wellness, and like this flourishing relationship with him, but we're so distracted that we forget that Jesus came to the world to give us these things. So there is this immeasurably more life, and here's a few ways to um, get this. So, The ways to experience ZOE, um, and I could have a list of 10 things, I just have a few of them here, and I think these are gonna apply to most of us, most of the time. So one of them is to stop comparing and uh, to start living. Now as I was thinking about this one, I was thinking about myself, like I'm not immune from this, I compare to other people as well. One of the things I compare with sometimes is uh, people's schedules. You know, Basically, I, I can work every day if I want to, and I typically do. Um, I'm typically always on call, and you know, that's something I take seriously. Uh, Friday afternoon means nothing to me. I'm at the grocery store, and someone has a good weekend, and you know, I, I work on the weekends. So sometimes I'll see people that uh, you know, they check out on Friday, and they don't have a care in the world until Monday morning, and I think like, that would be really, really cool. Um, you know, but then I think, okay, I'm comparing here. Like This is not good. Because I have like, a place in the church. I ha- have purpose, I have flexibility. Um, you know, so like, the comparison there, like it took me down the road that the thief wanted me to go down. it steals and, and kills and destroys. Now the opposite is just to start living, and like, that's a really cool thing. So, now you all do this too, though. Like you were in someone's house, and you thought, "Oh gosh, it would be nice to live in a house like that. That thing was gorgeous. We' kids. Like that kid is athletic, and that kid is smart, and that kid actually picks up uh, his socks from his bedroom and uh, I wish I 't even sell for number three, and I don't get that and um, you know I, th- this woman friend this woman I know like she has all these cool friends, and I have like two people in my life, and I'm not overly fond of either of them and you know the the coworker who gets the promotion, the sibling who gets the affection of the parents, and you know whatever it is like. We can compare, and here's the problem, though. Um, and I'll, I'm me read what Paul says, and I'm gonna identify the problem. So Paul like, knew this was an issue like 2,000 years ago. Like, this is nothing new. Uh, Paul says, we're not, understand, putting ourselves in a league with those who boast are our superiors. We wouldn't dare do that. But then listen to what he says next. But in all this comparing and, and grading and competing, like, here's what he says. In all this comparing, grading, and competing, we quite miss the point. So first of all, we don't do a very good job of comparing, like we're bad at it. Cause like what we do is we, uh, we trade our, um, or we compare our normal to someone else's highlight reel, you know, and like what we perceive their life to be. So what most people do is they project the parts of life that people uh, want them to see and like this is who we compare ourselves to. Like we're really bad at comparing now, because of these inaccurate comparisons, there's too many of us that don't put uh, enough stock in who we are and who we are I- I- in Christ. So what comparison does this is the tactic of, of, of Satan. Um, it will steal, it will kill, and, and it will destroy. Now, here's like, uh, if you are going to compare, like, here's the way you should do it. Don't compare yourself to who you perceive other people are today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. You know, did I grow? Uh, do I have more joy? Um, have I have I, have I served? Like think about the flower. Like a flower doesn't compare itself to the flower next to it. It doesn't compare itself to the big species you know across the way. The only thing a flower does is bloom. And I think that's what God is asking us to do. God is asking you to bloom. God is asking and, and me to bloom. And here's like. A negative part of comparison. Like every moment you spend in your life comparing yourself to another person is a moment that you have wasted. You know, time you spent those 10 minutes on Instagram, like wishing that you're in all these places, having all these things with all these different people. What you've done is you've wasted 10 minutes of your life that you'll never reclaim. Now, I want to go to uh, the second thing. And uh, in addition to comparing, what I want us to look at doing to experience more Zoe is to stop uh, worrying and to start praying. So Satan wants us to worry. Uh, that's when, that's when uh, he can really uh, affect us. You know, we could worry about disappointing God, we could worry about our kids when they grow up, we could worry about a difficult conversation that we're gonna have to have. Um, and none of these worries will change a darn thing. So worry is gonna do something to us and typically what worry does is worry or anxiety or fear it causes us to put the brakes on accepting and embracing and living out this uh, Zoe life, this abundant, immeasurably more life that Jesus has come to the world to give us. Now, um, Jesus uh, he, he says, um, uh, actually, this is Pauls. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray pray about, about everything. So what if we could replace worry with prayer? You, know, you might want to try that tonight. Like When you find yourself worrying, just like start praying and see what God does. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds uh, anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as, as you live in Christ Jesus. So giving in to your fears is the single fastest way Uh, to diminish your dreams and humiliate your hopes. You know, the problem that we have is we spend so much time worrying about things that uh, may never happen, and we avoid uh, chasing our our dreams and and our goals. And let me, like, talk to the students in here, like middle school students, high school students, college students, like young adults, like, I'm going to tell you one of the most important lessons that you're ever gonna learn, and I wish I learned this a lot lot younger than what I learned it. Um, your ability to conquer your fears is probably gonna be one of the two biggest single predictors of your success in life and your um, ability to experience the, the Zoe, the life that God has, has come to give you. Now, God gives us this thing called courage. He tells Joshua, be be strong and and, and, and courageous. Do not fear, don't be afraid. Be strong and and courageous, and remember that I'm with you. Now, here's the skill. The skill is to move forward, to take your foot off the brake and to put it onto the gas pedal. Now, when you do this, there's still gonna be some fear that exists in your life. You know, there's very few times when I move forward that there hasn't been some fear that has existed, but there's something that's more important than your fear. You know, so God gives us this courage so that we can move forward in life despite our fears. And the last one we got is uh, stop uh, conforming to culture and start following Jesus. So does anyone know what an NPC is? So you guys don't want an NPC, right? Yeah, so it's the non-playable character. So like, like in video games, like you have Luigi and Mario and they're kind of like the stars and then... Like you have all these people in the background, they're kind of like uh, NPCs is what they're called. Um, so, Satan wants us to be an NPC, um, the non-player character. Like, Satan wants, to be a spe- wants us to be a spectator and to watch everyone else uh, live life while we lose ours. And Jesus says, I want you to be a participant. Yeah, I've come to give you a rich and a satisfying life and I don't want you to be a spectator, I want you to be on the field. Like, you know, Satan wants us to be a consumer, you know, to become obsessed with, with stuff. Um, God wants us to be a contributor, you have know, to be a difference maker. You know, so I, I love this verse in Romans 12, to, like, don't allow uh, this world to mold you into its image. Listen that. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing uh, uh, of your mind. You know, don't be transformed by culture, follow Jesus. As a result, you'll be able to discern uh, what God wills and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and, and complete. So if you're married, um, have you ever had like a discussion with your spouse about the temperature of the house? So Amber's here, I'm gonna be in trouble for this one when I get home, but... Uh, so one of us uh, one of us is chronically hot and um, the other is uh, chronically cold. Um, so I won't say who's who, but um, Jesus was uh, chronically hot and I kind of like Jesus a lot. So, so we're having this discussion and like, and what do you do about this? We're sitting like five feet away from each other. And it's like, so I, I go upstairs where it's hot, you know, warmer and she goes downstairs where it's colder and like it, you know, it works. Um, but here's, here's where I want to end this thing. Um, And it's like, let me just read this. Don't be a thermometer that merely reflects the the cultural temperature. So God is not leading us to be a thermometer that just says, okay, this is the way things are, so therefore this is the way I'm going to be. Um, Instead, God wants us to be a thermostat that uh, influences the world with God's truth and, and God's grace. You know, so when we see division, like when we see any form of anti-Semitism, um, any type of bullying, any time a person isn't treated with human dignity, like we're not the thermometer that, you know, just goes with the flow and says, well, it's normal, you know, who am I? We're the, we're the thermostat that says, you know, I'm going to be in this world and the same truth and grace that Jesus brought into the world, I'm going to bring that in as well. You know, we're gonna say no to family divisions. We're gonna say no to, you know, distractions. We're gonna we're gonna say yes to Jesus. You know, I I think of all the four lessons we're gonna cover, of why Christmas exists. Like this one to me is just so profound, because I think there's so many of us who are so close, to just fully accepting and embracing and living out this gift. You know, so one of the reasons why we have Christmas, is. You know, it's like you know when I when I dropped off Benjamin last week in Washington D.C. Like, I saw for him. I I want this kid to have great relationships. I want him to find work that's meaningful. I want him to find people that you know he can share his life with. I want him to explore and and, and discover. Now, this is an imperfect dad who wants this for his son. Our perfect, loving Heavenly Father who has created us wants all this and so much more for us. And that's why he sent his son. So that we can experience this, this life, this immeasurably more life. So God, we come to you right now and we pray. We, um, we, we saw those 10 things up on the screen, God, and there's, there's confession that we have, Lord, that there's sometimes that we believe these things or sometimes we've practiced these things or sometimes we've uh, stumbled or fallen into these things. God... Um, we, we pray for uh unity, we pray and it starts with us God, we pray that it, it starts our families. we pray that unity starts in our uh, in our church and that we can model that for the world. God, we pray for unity in the world lord we um we pray that uh we'll stop conforming to culture and we're going to just keep following you more closely. God, we pray that during those times where worry or fear or anxiety comes to us that the first thing is, we're going to pray, and God, just give us give us the courage to move forward in life, uh, you know, despite some some fears that might exist. We don't want fear to humiliate our hopes and diminish our dreams. We we want courage to move us into this life that you're trying to give us. And Lord, I know that uh, you know there's there's uh, some of us that have come here, and it might be like the uh, you know, first time we're here. We haven't been here for a long time, and God, I, I pray that. Even today can be a time where we um, you just commit and we renew and we uh, just uh, cling to you and your grace and your truth and God help us to open this, this, this present that you're giving us. This gift of life that uh, flourishes, this life that's full, this life that is immeasurably more. So God, uh, is one church, it's one community and one voice, we come and we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, will be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Hey, just uh, two things real quick. One is we have these advent calendars, we gave them out, we still have more of them if you want one. But on the Advent calendar today, there's a thing for an ornament. Um, so we have all the ornaments. So I want you to take one of the ornaments with you on your way out. Um, put the ornament on your tree. And as you look at the ornament tonight um, in the future, just remember that one of the reasons why we have Christmas is because Jesus wants to have a uh, full and a rich and a satisfying life for all of us. And the second thing is if you're new, if you're fairly new, even if you have not registered, we invite you to come and we encourage you to come to starting point. We'll start in a few minutes. Uh, we'll have you in and out of here faster than you could go to a restaurant. I just love to meet y'all. I love to hear your stories. The rest of our staff will be there as well. So just leave this room. Take a ride. It's in our big uh, community room in the new expansion. So I hope to see you at starting point. By the uh, have a great Sunday and we'll see you here next week at the Water's Edge. And the-